Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to the Falcons question and answer mailbag session for the month of November. I'm your host, Kevin Knight at Falcoholic Kevin, joined by some great guests we have, of course, with us. The man himself, editor-in-chief of The Falcoholic. He is Dave Choate at The Falcoholic. Yep, raise the roof for Dave, folks. Dave, how are we doing tonight? Good. Cold, but good. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that on, before we went on the air about how cold it was today. And uh, you and I are unfazed by this, but we said the temperature, and I think Adnan panicked a little bit when he heard that. Uh, so, yeah. Adnan, how, how are things going down in Atlanta, where I believe you said the temperature was a balmy 60 today? Uh, well, it's a balmy 60 right now, but yeah, oh, okay. no, yeah. I know. You guys are talking about the 20s up up there in in the in the wilderness beyond the wall, yep. and yeah, I I'm not built for that. I, I've gotten I've grown too used to my very mild winters. You know, the, yeah. the second it starts touching the 40s, I'm like uh, enough of that. Yeah, yeah, you, you get used to it, and in fact, you you learn to like it eventually. But yeah, it's you know. Maybe I've just talked myself into it after living here for so many years, but I, I, I actually like the cold. But then again, my heritage is uh, Norway. So, you know, I, I got that that Norse blood or something. So may, maybe it makes me resilient to the cold's energies. But hey, folks, just want to bring you a quick word from tonight's sponsor, betonline.ag. Folks, the holiday season is off and rolling with the NFL in full stride and NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. BetOnline remains your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, whether that's the NFL, college football, everything you could think of. It's there with up-to-the-minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and prediction. Folks, BetOnline is the top spot for everything pro and amateur sports, and not just the big four. BetOnline has available at your has information available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport that is played from MMA to international soccer folks what are you waiting for head to bet on head to the bet online site or go there on your mobile device today and remember to use our promo code believe that's b l e a v for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts one way or another, we, we lived through it, just like we lived through this terrible Falcons team. How about that for a seg, folks? Um, so we're going to get into it. I know we have some questions from the Discord server. We have some questions from Patreon, and we have George joining us with the first of many questions I see. So we'll definitely be happy to answer as many as we can tonight. Uh, before we, we take off, do want to bring you guys a little update. I know I've been teasing it, but we did officially launch the channel memberships for the YouTube channel. Um, and just to give everyone some context, because I know everyone here live is on Patreon, you don't need to go get YouTube too unless you want to. Like I, I've been trying to find a way to make them like play together. Uh, right now, like they, they don't. Like I, there's not really any way to link the two. So I'll just say for this, for the purposes of it, if you mostly watch the show on YouTube, you should probably do the YouTube one. If you mostly listen to the podcast, you should probably do Patreon. Patreon does give us a slightly better rate of return like i think youtube takes 30 percent and patreon takes like 15 percent. so it's, it's not massive so really you know wherever you think you'll get the most benefit is fine i would really like to be able to at least do like some kind of if you get the the falcoholic tier like i know george does with the 25 dollars a month which is very generous i would like to like somehow figure out if i can make that work for both like you buy that and you get access to both but i i don't have that ready yet so you know, I, there may be something I can figure out in the future, but, uh, for now that's, that's sort of the, the gist of that. And, you know, if you, if you want more of the video features and the live chat stuff, then you, that's probably more of a YouTube thing. But if you're mostly a podcast listener and you want the early podcast episodes and all that stuff, probably more Patreon is your thing. Uh, either way, we're happy. We appreciate the support no matter what. So thanks so much guys for all that. Uh, yeah, before we take off Dave, uh, I imagine you have some sort of brew um, I didn't get a glimpse of the can, but but uh, what do we got tonight? I am actually drinking tea. Tea? So, it must yeah. be really cold then. <laughs> no, yeah, I, still get, still get, it's actually iced tea, but still getting over a, a cold. So I, okay, uh, very I wise. Know. Yeah, I actually I had a matcha latte. Over. I had a matcha latte today. So anybody had one of those? It's like a green tea Ooh. coffee drink. I was like, oh, maybe I should try something less sugary, and it, it tastes like 
dirt and oat milk. And I'm one of those people that actually likes green tea. So I actually appreciated the flavor of dirt, but I know my wife like hates the green tea taste. So I would not recommend it if you're not a green tea liker, because it's very intense green tea flavor. But um, yeah, well, well, okay. I promise we're going to talk about the Falcons now. We've, we've talked about beverages and, and, and given our updates. So now let me get to George's question. First of all, thank you, George. Welcome in for tonight. So George's question rank the top three new coaching candidates for head coach and or offensive coordinator considerations for the Falcons. I don't Alrighty. think Arthur Smith escapes black Monday, 2024. I mean, I would agree with you, George, that I don't at this point at four George and six. Just question in, George. Like, yeah, he's, you know, he's going straight for the jugular. He's like, Nope, we're not even wasting any time. Right <laughs> we're going straight to coaching candidates. Um, yeah. That's a good question. Um, I know there's a lot of names out there. Uh, I've, I've said some on the show, so I, I will like open it up. Dave, I wonder if you have like a favorite right now. I figure we could all sort of throw a name into the ring, but I'll give Dave the honor of, of throwing his his guy in there first. He's gonna take. Yeah, me. I'm gonna be. A, I'm gonna be a pain and go for it. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't have a guy per se. I, I I know that I like Ben Johnson. I've always liked Eric Bieniemy. Um, so either of those guys would be at the top of my not thinking about it at all type of list. Um, my fear with Johnson is kind of not that I don't think he's a great coach, but like, is he going to be a good head coach? Like we've seen too many of these coordinators flame out. Yeah. And one of the things that I've always liked about the is that he's got a little bit more varied experience, a longer track record of getting the job done. So I, he would be near the top of my list right now. I know going from, Again, one offensive coordinator to another, kind of like the Falcons did with Smitty and then Dan Quinn. He's not maybe the most popular pick, but um, Ben Johnson's a hot coaching candidate for a reason. It, it feels like he could probably get the most out of the personnel here. And and I think that, uh, again, enemy is, is just a good coach who's been overlooked for a long time. So that would be without really thinking about it, because I refuse to let myself do that until we get closer to Black Monday. Um, those would be my two guys. Yeah, very good choices there. To me, it's like, I think Ben Johnson's my number one as well, so I will agree with you there. The only concern is, do, does Brandon Staley get fired? I think the answer is yes. And I don't know that any team can compete with that job just because you get Justin Herbert. So, like, I don't, I like, I just, who else, how can, you, how can you compete with that? It's like, well, you've got, got Justin Herbert and a ready-made offense for you to just go, sort of take over. Um so that's my only concern is that if the Chargers job opens up, Falcons are probably not getting the top candidate, which sounds like it might be Johnson at this point, but we'll see. Um, and then with the enemy, it, d- the commanders would be so stupid to let him leave Washington, but you know, they, they might not have a choice. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, he's not the head coach now. So unless he agrees to become the head coach, theoretically, he could take a job elsewhere. But um, I think they're, they're going to do the, if they're smart, they'll do the full court press to try to keep the enemy there in Washington. Um but yeah, uh, Adnan, same guys for you. Anybody else you're thinking of? Uh, yeah, I, Dave didn't even say my number one guy. Um, so uh, my number one guy is Bobby Slowick out of uh, out of Houston, the offensive coordinator who is just making magic happen with C.J. Stroud right now. And you know, no offense to the wide receiver core over in uh, in Houston. You know, Tank Dell is 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 a beast this season, but the pass game options aren't really super elite over there in Houston. And, you know, he still has CJ Stroud looking like a legitimate MVP candidate in his rookie season. Slow. It comes from a background where he worked uh, directly uh, in that absolutely all-star coaching staff over in Washington. And I think it was 2013 where they had what McVay, yeah. Kyle Shanahan, LaFleur, and you know, they had all of them. They kept, Jay Gruden and let all of those guys go. So, you know, shout out to Washington doing, you know, the stupid stuff when it comes to coaching staffs. How about that for a segue? Right. Um, but also he worked under Kyle Shanahan directly in San Francisco. Shanahan immediately brought him over with him. He worked, he worked as a PFF analyst in between, but Shanahan, as soon as he uh, became the head coach of the 49ers after that magical 2016 season, brought him along uh, in 2017 and where he spent the last couple seasons before uh, taking the Houston Texans job as pretty much Shanahan's right-hand man. I don't think the 49ers employ an offensive coordinator. It's just Shanahan doing that job by himself. 
and he was the 49ers uh, passing game coordinator, which is pretty much, you know, the second guy on offense right after Shanahan. So, you know, he's definitely very qualified. He comes from a background under a system where the Atlanta Falcons pretty much had their greatest success in history uh, offensively, the Kyle Shanahan system. And, you know, he's proving himself directly with the Houston Texans. He's uh, for a head coach, D'Amico Ryans, who is a defensive-minded head coach. So he has full control of that offense, and that offense looks really good with uh, weapons that aren't really the best. You know, no offense to Damian Pierce, Seven Singletary. That offensive line has, has been pretty banged up. They're still humming along. So, yeah, I would definitely – I would love the idea of pairing Bobby Slowick with one of those stud rookie quarterbacks in a very deep quarterback class right here to really sort of, you know, catapult the rebuild a little bit where if the Falcons do move on from Arthur Smith, you're talking about going into sort of another rebuild, hopefully one that doesn't last as long as this one has, (laughs) but you know, definitely, definitely. I like that idea. Yeah. I like to think of it as like a reboot instead of a re a rebuild, you know, it's like, Oh, we got to like, you know, we got to plug this thing and unplug and plug this thing back in. And then hopefully it'll start up better this, this, this time. But yeah, I mean, there's obviously going to be turnover with a new coach coming in, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you guys named probably the top three there with, with Slowick and, and Ben Johnson and Eric Bieniemy. We'll see where those guys end up. Um, you know, Slowick being his first year doing this job, he's probably the one that's going to be the easiest to grab of those names. I guess I'll throw in if they if they do go with a defensive guy, Brian Flores is probably the hot name there. Um, pretty similar system to what the Falcons are currently running. I mean, if it was, if I had my... If I had, you know, what I wanted, I would hope that the Falcons would just keep Nielsen if they can convince the new coach. I mean, I would think the the new coach, especially if it's a younger offensive minded guy, would probably be happy to have an established defensive guy like Nielsen stick around. But we don't really know what will go on there. But Brian Flores is probably the defensive guy that's going to get the most buzz this offseason. And we'll see. But I I do like all three of those offensive guys. You know, it's not going to be a one to one change. But like like Adam mentioned, get it. The Falcons finishing with like a top 10 pick and potentially enough ammunition to move up for somebody that they want. You know, if they want to go after one of the top guys, I I think it's still very unlikely that you're outbidding anyone to get up for Drake May or Caleb Williams. I think those guys are probably going to whoever's picking like one and two or one and three or whatever. Um, but you never say never. Um, and, and you guys know my preferences at quarterback, which I know George has a, has a take on as well, but, um, yeah, uh, but we'll see how it goes. But those, I, I think we covered a lot of the, the main names there. So who, uh, who knows? Maybe Bill Belichick is available. <laughs> Man, if the Falcons, if Falcons fans don't like Arthur Smith's press conferences now, just imagine when we get salty Bill Belichick in here. Uh, that would be hilarious. Um, I can't do it. I can't do it. But um, look, all I'm saying is Arthur Smith can be an asshole all he wants. You know, just win some games. There you go. Yeah, you can be, you can be yes. as you know, you can be do whatever you want if you're winning a bunch of games. No one's gonna ask any questions at that point. But yeah. Belichick got away with it for 20 years up in uh up in New uh, in Foxborough. Mm-hmm. The thing with Smith that I can't figure out is the timing. It's always like when they're winning, he usually is like pretty chill. Yeah. And when they start losing, he's really salty. <laughs> and then when they lose a lot, he gets really humble again. It's like a weird roller coaster with him. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like the opposite of what he should be doing. Maybe we can yeah. harness that and, and just sort of turn it into something uh, a little bit better. We'll just repurpose, repackage that a little bit differently and it'll work out just fine for him. But yeah, that that's a tough one. Uh, let me get to get one from the discord here. So we got, K dog, Kevin dog, uh, long time, long, one of our first, uh, patrons, I believe K dog. He's been with this Kevin dog fellow. Kevin's got to stick together. You know, um, he asks, who is your favorite edge rusher in the draft? Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I don't know for those of you that don't follow scouting super closely. There's a new number one guy. That's not someone that I think a lot of people were on last year. It's Layatu Latu from, I believe, UCLA is the college, one of those California schools. But he's a really interesting story because he actually was uh, forced to medically retire two seasons ago or three seasons ago now, I guess, 
uh, for an injury and he got it reevaluated and UCLA was like, oh yeah, no, you, you don't have to medically retire. Which could play football for us. He was like, okay. And yeah, he's been healthy for two years now and he's been like the best pass rusher in college football. So um, he's the new number one guy. Um, he's an elite pass rusher. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you that right now. He's, he's, it's funny because he's actually like, he's not really like a chase young and that he's just like, Oh, this is, if you made a pass rusher in a lab, this is what he'd look like. He's actually just like super polished and explosive and good. Maybe not the most like prototypical size, but like plenty of size, like enough to be a top 10 pick. But um, yeah, he's the new number one guy. So he's, he's my favorite pass rusher and like a guy that legitimately the Falcons could have a chance to draft if they're picking in the top 10, but unfortunately they're going to have to take a quarterback. So (laughs) it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I do like him though. And then of course you guys know the other names like, like Jared verse is still very much in play near the top of the draft. Um, I know guys like chop Robinson, um, Kim, who's the Alabama, the Alabama pass rusher. Forgetting his name. Yeah. Yeah. Dallas Turner. Um, so, uh, Braylon Trice from Washington's really rising up the boards too. Um, so, and then, you know, you got guys like, there's a lot of second round guys too, like, uh, Prince Lee Uman Milan. Or man, oh man, maybe, oh man, that that's a tough name. I'm gonna have to workshop that one. But uh, yeah, Princely from Florida. Um, he he's looking good. He's really rising up the rankings. And then of course JT Tumaloao from Ohio State um, is another guy. That's who I drafted in the in the mock draft. For those of you that haven't seen that yet, but um, in the second round. So you know, it, and like as a wider draft conversation, whether the Falcons get that second round pick from the Jaguars matters a lot in terms of what they can do. Um, not necessarily I think the first two picks are pretty much like set like it's going to be a quarterback and then an edge rusher but if you have another second round pick I think that gives you more options like you might have a chance to then get like an an offensive tackle that's like maybe starting caliber maybe more than a swing tackle at first or just like a higher end wide receiver two type prospect whereas if it's a third you're probably looking at like maybe we can get a safety with this maybe we can get more interior defensive line depth like a top sort of nose tackle guy or something so like whether it's a second or a third that pick can make a big difference for what type of prospect or what type of position you're realistically expecting to get there but you know we're a long it way also, out from knowing that yeah it also may make a difference if you really want to bet the house on yeah. moving up for a drake may possibly because you know if you have two second rounders that you can use there then you can sort of get into that bidding war if you really want to yeah it helps those those two seconds because if you don't have the two seconds you're probably trading at least a future first in a second so like if you can trade maybe depending on how high you have to go maybe you can get away with trading just two seconds but more than likely you're gonna have to trade a future first to get up for one of those two quarterbacks so um that's a tough tough pill yeah yeah. Precedent is there with the Panthers last year because I'm pretty sure whoever is picking May will probably want as much or more than the Panthers gave. Yeah. For Bryce Young, because I think arguably May is a better prospect than Bryce Young was coming out. Um, but you know, that that's that's another conversation. But also the Panthers, remember, were pick were trading up from seven. And yeah. they had to give seven a second DJ Moore and next year's first, which I mean, could could actually become the pick that becomes Drake May too. Who knows? Yep. Oh God, that trade just that that trade is a perfect encapsulation of why you can't just go all out to add your quarterback and just think that everything's going to be okay because it's like okay, now you got your quarterback and you have nothing else and it's miserable. Like you can't just it's not just a cheat code. And I think Bryce Young's a good quarterback, but like you know, you're potentially ruining him now behind bad protection bad scheme that the whole panther situation has gone way way worse than i thought personally but (laughs) it's also a cautionary tale of what happens when you have an owner that meddles a bit too much because david tepper i I don't know if you saw that interview that where he just like went to the media and he's like oh by the way we had this trade in play for us to have the second pick but um houston like backed out of it where you know he just goes to the media for no reason and he just like talks about these negotiations they had and he was talking about how he you know he was very like anxious and he wanted that trade to happen right away and he was like pressuring the general manager the entire time like pretty much every hour being like oh like is it made yet is it made yet so of course like the gm is under 
immense pressure now after Houston pulls out to where I'm pretty sure Chicago like sensed that. And Chicago is like, oh, we can just like hold their feet over the fire right now because, you know, their owner is like just wants to get this done no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and this, I think that. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say that that's like uh, people who, and I get it, you know, people who are like, let's get rid of Arthur Blank. Let's get a new owner. Like you could very well end up with a private equity guy. You could end up yeah. with one of these finance guys that uh, don't live in the real world with the rest of us and are just like that. And, and believe me, that is the worst situation. Like, you know, so that, that is the one, that's the other part of the cautionary tale too, right? Is like, you could end up with a worse owner than you currently have the same way you could end up with a worse quarterback, worse coach, worse GM. Like it, it's, there are no sure spins of the wheel. So you just have to be really careful about when you spin it and how hard you spin it. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. I mean, it, to me, it's like Arthur Blank hasn't exactly had stellar coaching hires necessarily. But again, like I mean, Mike Smith was a great hire. Absolutely yep. fantastic. Dan, I, I maintain that Dan Quinn wasn't a bad hire. I think it like you well, lose a Super Bowl, you, you lose a Super Bowl like that. It, the wheels are look, just going to fall off eventually. It, I mean, it's we, just, yeah. Like everyone, look, I get it. Dan Quinn had two winning seasons. And how many years did he spend here? Five, six mm-hmm. Six seasons, counting that 2020 year. Yeah. If, look, I, I hate to go back to that Super Bowl. <laughs> if Devontae Freeman lay, lays down a block on Hightower, if he gets semi in the way, if if one of seven different things goes correctly, I mean, Dan Quinn's probably still the head coach of the Falcons right now. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that, that team is just is completely different in 2017. You know, I think they don't have that hanging over them. And honestly, they responded well in 2017. Like, that, that they rebounded pretty well. And, um, you know, they had some other crazy shit that obviously happened that year. But, um, yeah, I, I think that, you know, Dan Quinn was not a bad hire. I, I mean, obviously, people are like, oh, well, he should have hired Kyle Shanahan as the head coach. Well, no one else was doing that. Dan, Dan Quinn, like, threw Shanahan a bone to make them the Falcons offensive coordinator. Like, he... Like, you know, it, let's not act like Shanahan was a hot head coaching candidate at the time. You know, like, I know people want a galaxy brain hindsight everything, but, you know, how many teams are firing their head coach coming off a narrow Super Bowl loss to go hire that to, to remote the offense? No one is going to do that. That's not something I, I gonna genuinely do. think that the late Al Davis would be the only person. Maybe. That would make that. Yeah. And people would have called him crazy for it also, but he was crazy in yeah. like the best way. But yeah, <laughs> he's wily like a fox. So um, yeah, it's, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, Arthur Smith may, honestly, that might be the first one that might be a real flub here. But again, the last two years, like, I think people were sort of appreciating well, the trajectory, you know. And, <laughs> if, if, if we're going to go back all the way, you know, Bobby Petrino. Was yes, a- yes, that one. Yep, yep. Yes. Jim Mora was okay. I yep. remember Jim Mora's last season really well because it was my first season and I couldn't <laughs> believe that he was like openly pining for a college job. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So. In the middle of the season, Jim Mora, they just had to keep him away from the radio, but also like just the story of Jim Mora being hired was so like cringy to me where he, he just, like, showed up with, like, a backpack full of things. And, like, Arthur Blank is like, that's my guy right there. He, like, has- got a <laughs> Look at this guy. He's so organized. So, I mean, I can't believe this guy couldn't create a, a winning football team here. Wow. It, but it, it, Yeah, so so I'm going to give him a, a, a minus for, for Jim Moore. Was it – what year did Arthur Blank, like, take over? What Did he hire Jim Moore? Yes, Yes, okay. he he was there when he first came on. Dan Reeves was still the head coach. Yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 right. yeah, you're right, you're right. Because he he, I think he blamed Dan Reeves for the Mike Vick injury, or like, yeah, I think that and, like played a part in in Dan Reeves getting fired. And he was going to get fired, and then he resigned because he was like, "Screw this, I'm not letting you fire me." Essentially, so <laughs> yes, yeah, and, and then Jim Moore was his first head coaching hire. And I remember they had an interview lined up with Nick Saban and they're like, no, 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 Jim Moore is our guy. Yep. Yeah. There's a, there's an interesting like sons of other people thing going on, <laughs> which happens across the NFL. It is not just an Arthur blank thing, but it's Jim Mora, you know, it's uh, our, well, Arthur Smith being the son of the FedEx owner, I guess, but 
you know, I think that's just a real life thing, Dave. I think that's just a, a societal thing yep. right there. It is. That's the way it goes. Thing. It's who you know, it's right? A football I mean, thing and a society thing. Yeah. Football is yep. not exempt. Yep. So we'll no. hope that uh, this next one is the charm. Or maybe, you know, we get the miraculous turnaround, but I know nobody wants to hear that. Uh, and I'll believe it when I. It, but... Yeah. yeah. Hey, I'll man, believe it when I see it. Yep. <laughs> look, we're. We're all rooting for them to beat the Saints this week. Yes, that is and... non-negotiable. You got to beat the yeah. Saints to even. If you lose to the Saints this week, everyone's going to be like, "Okay, well, we, we can just sim the rest. We'll oh. sim the rest of the season." Yeah, because so. you know, I know nobody wants to hear it. This division is dog shit enough to where if you beat <laughs> the Saints, you're going to be in first place at five and six. And you know, if it was up to me. The NFC South would just be deleted this season. Like, <laughs> the playoff yep. spot. Kick them out. Yeah, Get, give an extra wild card spot. But it, it's going to be really funny when the Falcons win. They sweep the Saints. They sweep the whole division. They beat the Panthers twice, the Bucks twice, and the Saints twice, and end up what? What is that at this point? That would be like they that would they would win four more games then. So yeah, they'd finish like eight and nine and only win the NFC South games the rest of the way and just have well, like I'm this. Pretty sure <laughs> they'll have a good chance against. Uh, the Jets, who are they starting? Is it Tim Boyle? Tim Boyle. It's like they found the one guy that's worse than Zach Wilson to make themselves look better. Yeah. They're like, see, this is why we were playing Zach Wilson. Can't you? You guys are stupid. And, and hey, I think that'll be the second time they played Tim Boyle in the Arthur Smith era. <laughs> it was the I totally had forgotten about that. Oh but yeah, he was Lions like... uh, quarterback a couple of years ago. So wow. you know, yeah, but. Yeah, it's um yeah, their reward for that would be probably playing the Cowboys. Yep. We could we don't have to get any hopes up about that. Although the Cowboys did lose to like the pre Kyler Cardinals. So there's always the chance they have one of those Cowboys games. And they've done that a lot in the first round of the playoffs, if you'll if you'll recall. So well, you know you're, you're not wrong, but it's much more <laughs> likely that it'll be a repeat of a that Bucks Cowboys game of yeah, last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. It would be like it would be funny because I feel like we'd go into that playoff game being like, I have no expectations whatsoever. We can just watch this. And if the Falcons happen to win, then we can laugh. And if they lose, which they're almost certainly going to, then I'm not going to be that upset because, you know, whatever. But it, it would be hilarious, objectively hilarious to beat the Cowboys like that. But, There's going to be someone so mad that we're discussing playoffs. And yeah, no, cool. it's not. Yeah, don't even worry about that, guys. Uh, this is this is for the hardcore, you know, the patron viewers. You know, you guys are here to hear the the deep the deep takes here. But speaking of deep takes, let's let's go to George's second question here. Asking, uh, he says he wants to give his official draft take. We're dead in the water, so I figured it's time for the draft takes. We're dead it in is. the water, yet we're one game out of first. <laughs> we're one George. game out of first. It's just like last year. Just like last year. <laughs> but yeah, George is officially in on Jaden Daniels. He looks like a next-level QB, Dark Horse hey. Riley Leonard. Look, I... The Jaden Daniels thing is I'm my in. thing. No, I'm just kidding. Everybody can be in on Jaden Daniels. It's fine. I'm in. I'm in on Jaden Daniels. He could win. He's, he may win the Heisman this year. Yeah. Like I'm just just waiting for. Uh, there were there were a couple. There were still some people that were like, "Oh yeah, why are you drafting this guy in the first round?" It's like, well, just give it a month or two. You'll see. <laughs> give up. it a month or two. Especially after the combine, yeah. like quarterback tax, he may be a top ten pick. Yeah, I, I think he will end up a top ten pick. Uh, just, I mean, pop on the highlights. What, what is there? I mean, like, yeah, he's got some. He's not the most mechanically clean quarterback. I mean, he's a little bit light, right? I think he plays at like one ninety. Want to get that weight up, but like, what else do you want to see? I mean, the man just throws dimes like every game. Just throws dimes up and down the field, sprints around, has like almost a thousand rushing yards, thirty touchdowns, four interceptions. He's five years as a starter in college so he's got that experience um you know like to me it's like what what, what what's the problem i don't see the pro- like a little bit of mechanical issues okay that's like almost every college quarterback so you know played, played against the grind of an sec schedule twice you know, yeah you see west and yeah. you know he, he could have a head coach that you know helped develop brock purdy and then cj stroud in back-to-back years there you go you've convinced me adnan but yeah i mean I think so. We're both Jaden Daniels. You're, you're Jaden Daniels as your top, top guy. You know, as, we'll, we'll say it in the context of guys we think the Falcons actually are going to draft and well, not uh, trade uh, like uh, 15 uh, picks. Caleb for. Williams. Caleb Williams. Yes. Is my not not QB one, but like guy that you think is realistically yeah. in play for the Falcons, assuming they don't trade away two or two drafts to get the guy. 
Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, it's legitimately between Daniels and Penix, and that's a, that's a good point. I, too. Yeah. I don't blame anyone for being scared away by Penix's medicals. No, that's that's the one thing with him for sure that we just we're not really ever going to be privy to. But we know he's had several debilitating injuries. But yeah, Dave, I'm curious where, where you're landing on the quarterback. You know, the great debate of I can see this happening now. The great quarterback debate of 2024. I've already been tagged like three times saying like, "Aren't you the guy that wanted Malik Willis?" It's like. Yep. Yep. That's me. That's me. Jaden Daniels enjoyer. Malik Willis enjoyer, you know. So, like, it's not fair to Jaden Daniels. Don't hold my bad takes against Jaden Daniels. Okay. That's not fair to him. But what, what do you think no. of Dave? Uh, well, I think after uh, the character assassinations taking place right now, Caleb Williams <laughs> is going to fall right to the Falcons. There you go. So yeah. he's my top choice. I, I couldn't believe that that's getting started this early, although, why am I surprised? But for those who didn't see Ian Rappaport, <laughs> mysteriously deciding to compare him to Joe Burrow for not showing up for a press conference. Like they're, they're going to go after this kid. It sucks. Yeah. That, but, you know, they will, you know, they will. They always yeah. do. Yeah. They find something to complain um, about. But, yeah. But I, I would, I would lean toward, I, I, I think I like Penix the best out of all the realistic candidates, but I think Daniels is super intriguing because he feels like one of those guys that like he turned the key the right way. You get, you know, the best version of him and he's, he's a superstar, right? Like there's that skill set there. So I would certainly not mind that whatsoever. Um, but I, I do think that the Penix is really intriguing to me, like the arm talent, just the, the intangibles, the intellect, yeah. everything. So I, I think he's, he's going to be a really good quarterback. I'd love to have him. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think if it were for the medicals, he'd be, QB three without question. Just like I mean, I, I there's yeah. not really anything on tape. You're like, well, I don't like that. It's like, well, no, I like I like all of it pretty much. It's just the medical stuff. So that's really the only question for me. So I don't blame anyone that prefers the the much higher floor. I would say of panics, and you know, I think obviously Daniels because of his athleticism has a high floor too. It's a little bit of a different floor, uh, more of like a Justin Fields floor. You know, where it's like, well, even if he's not a great passer, he's going to be able to run the ball a lot and get you a lot on the ground, and he's going to make fantasy heads happy. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, but, the thing. that's the main thing. Yeah, it's big for this team. So, um, yeah, but I, I think all, all both of those guys would be good picks. I, I just wonder I how it shakes out. Yeah. I will say it. You really want to give Arthur Smith one of these, one of these rookie quarterbacks? I, no. No, I don't. But you know, I, I they need to take one either way. It's like I don't care. Like if they're going to keep Arthur Smith, they still got to they still got to take a quarterback. So yeah, like Ritter cannot the play if the plan next year. I want if I'm Arthur Blank, I I have a meeting with Arthur Smith after this year, depending on if he wants to fire him or not, and I ask him and Terry Fontenot what what their plan is for quarterback next year. And if the answer is Desmond Ritter, then, you know, just say thank you for your time. You can go. You can go. And hand hand him a a pink slip. Yeah. No, I mean, it's like, honestly, like, we'll see what Ritter does the rest of the season. He has been named the starter the rest of the way, which I think is smart. Um, It... I think I think we found like at, at the very least like a good backup. Like I, I think yeah, Ritter is absolutely I'm a good okay. backup. Yeah, I'm more than okay with Ritter being the long term backup. And I think given the fact that he was a third round pick, I think that's a good like that's a successful pick. Yeah. If you take a third round quarterback and he becomes a long term backup that can you know spot start and you know that's there for a long time, that's that's a hell of a pick. Yeah. Yeah. So I. I mean, and I try. We try to tell this to people. It's like, yeah, is he gonna be a franchise guy? Probably unlikely. It's not impossible. But even getting like a good backup out of him is is a good return on investment based on what we know about quarterbacks. So, I think he at this point he looks like he definitely can be a good long term backup. Um, and we'll see. You know, maybe he can be more than that. You know, maybe he can be more of like a spot starter type of guy. Maybe he'll end up going. You know, getting a, a chance to start elsewhere, or maybe he ends up starting here again because craziness happens i mean you know if he's the backup there's a a decent chance he's gonna play at some point whether that's for a long time or just a few games here and there but um yeah i mean i i i I think ritter's shown enough to know that he's an nfl quarterback it's just like is he really a guy you want to start 
going into the season or not. We At this point, it seems like no, but he's still got seven more games to prove it. So, you know, Ritter, this is your time. <laughs> and that kind of goes in, honestly, to a question we got from the Discord, which was if the Falcons do end up pulling off the, the miracle to win the division, what do you think it will be the result of other than the rest of the NFC South sucking? <laughs> Good that you couched that because that would have been the answer. Yeah. But uh, no, to me, it would be like Ritter taking a big step and, and looking like he's a potential starter, like long term, like a starter. Like if he comes in, stop and stabilizes, he's playing like good Ritter where he's not turning the ball over and was throwing like he was before he got benched, you know, not Titans first half, notwithstanding like before that, then I think that that could be a ticket. It's like, okay, Ritter, he's cleaned it up. He's cleaned up the mistakes. He's playing a lot better. Okay. That could be why they end up making the playoffs, but curious, uh, Dave, I'll let you get the first crack at it. What do you th- what do you think would be the the catalyst for the for this miraculous playoff run? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things would be Ritter, right? Like him sort of being the guy that I thought he would be coming into this year. Like I wrote an article that I realized right before the season I never published, and maybe that's for the best. But I said, you know, the Falcons will be fine if he is the like 16th to 26th best quarterback in the league. So if he's like the 24th to 26th best quarter starting quarterback in the league and he cuts down on the turnovers, I, I think that raises the floor of the offense significantly. I think better red zone play calling, just getting the ball to Drake London, to Kyle Pitts, to Bijan Robinson more often in the red zone. That's a difference maker. We've seen that they can get there. It's been a mixed bag once they get there. And I, I think, you know, some defensive stability, those would be sort of the, the three big things. Like I, I could pick a, a dozen things like tackling effectively, you know, like basic things that they just haven't done this year. It could be any of those things. Yeah. A- and that's how close they've been to winning some of these games, right? has been a tackle here and, and there. But I really think ultimately you're looking at like, do they sort of figure out their defensive line rotation in a way that makes sense, that gives them some semblance of pass rush? Do they cut down on the mistakes? And do they get Ritter and the passing game a bit better? And I think if those pieces come together, they look like a decent team, and that might be enough in the NFC South. And it's not going to be like, we found our franchise quarterback. We've, you know, Kyle Pitts has scored six touchdowns in the last seven (laughs) weeks. That would be mind-blowing. But I, I just think, like, taking everything they've done this year and like cranking the dial up a little bit so that it doesn't suck quite so much would, would make a big difference. Yeah, definitely agree with all of those points. Find the suck dial and, and turn the suck down, turn the goodness yeah. up somehow, figure it, figure a way out to do, to do that guys. But yeah, Adnan, what, what do you think? What would be the, the spark or, or the catalyst for this team turning things around? I mean, obviously like the quarterback, play is always you know at the top of the list to any nfl team being successful but uh i want to say arthur smith sort of getting better at play calling because his play calling has left a lot to be desired so far this season and you know that's something that he had experience with in tennessee successfully and that was one of his sort of calling cards and strong suits coming into atlanta as the head coach uh he's not going to give a play call and duty. I don't think so. No. Uh, but this season, it's just been, I, I don't know. It's just been sort of puzzling. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, if he can utilize the weapons that he has around Desmond Ritter a little better, if he can sort of go out there and not, not play Kyle Pitts as an almost exclusive, like, inline tight end slash decoy slash blocking threat throughout the entire game you know i, I think and it gives me a little bit of hope that he is it that he is demonstrating a little bit of versatility given the fact that we saw it pre-bye week where you know he said i'm gonna take the gloves off the uh, training wheels off of Bijan robinson and we're actually gonna start riding him instead of running that 50 50 split between he and tyler algier before that Cardinals game, I think Bijan Robinson had what three more touches total than Tyler Algier throughout the season. So this was genuinely a 50-50 split, despite the fact that, you know, no offense to Algier, Bijan is a much, much better player than he is. Uh and last game we saw Robinson have a season high 23 touches. 
Last time he had that many was against the Packers, and that was his best game of the season. Algier had a more modest and more reasonable, I think, around 10. Um, so, you know, I think I do feel like he's going to utilize Tyler, Al- or excuse me, Bijan Robinson a lot better. And I just want to see him utilize Kyle Pitts and Drake London a lot better as well, because those guys were also top 10 picks, Kyle Pitts being a top five pick. Um, you know, I just, we just really need his play calling to improve and to get better uh, versus what we saw leading up to this point. And we also need the offensive line to do a better job of giving Desmond Ritter that time in pass protection for, for those plays to come together. So Arthur Smith and, and the offensive line, definitely because I'm a little bit, you know, I'm skeptical about the defense. I do not think that this defense will be as good as what we saw at the beginning of the year, just because Grady Jarrett is that important. And, you know, they didn't make any moves for a pass rusher at the trade deadline. So I feel like, I feel like this defense will sort of, you know, not be carried, but the defense will not be able to give you what it gave uh, in the beginning of the year when you were winning those games. So, you know, you're going to really need the offense to step up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think the one area they just couldn't afford injuries was on the on the defensive line. Like, we just, we knew edge was not going to be a strength. We hoped they could overcome it with the interior pressure and to their credit, they, they sort of did, you know, for a while. Um, but yeah, with, with Grady Jarrett out and then we saw Anyamata out against the Cardinals and that was ugly. Um, yeah, there was no pass rush whatsoever. So to their credit, they, they managed to hold up against the run pretty well against what's a, actually a pretty decent rushing attack, especially with James Connor and Kyler Murray in there. But again, they just couldn't finish drives and it cost them big. So, you know, we'll see how it looks going up against what's probably going to be a much more pocket passery like group of quarterbacks going forward as opposed to the the scramblers they just happened to kind of face over the last couple of weeks that they weren't really expected to. We'll see how that changes things. Um, I think they'll play better against like a Derek Carr than they would against like a Kyler Murray. That's just not the strength of their defense. And hopefully they'll the guys will be back healthy for that Saints game. But yeah, they need the offense to take a big step forward and they need the defense to sort of stabilize and just get back to their winning football. You know, that's that's the big one. But yeah, who knows if it'll happen? I, I, I'm i not going to be putting money on the Falcons, that's for sure. But, you know, this team is weird. Sometimes they sometimes they do weird things when you don't expect it. So we'll see how that goes. Um, We got a question from Nico. What's up, Nico? He says... Do you think we'll try to keep both AJ Terrell and Jeff Okuda? If so, how would you value Okuda given his injury history? Yeah. I mean, it it depends. I think on paper that you would try to I think on paper you try to keep both. I mean, with Terrell, you can give him, you know, he's got his option. You could keep him on that if you need to, or you could try to extend. With Akuda, you could franchise tag potentially, or, you know, give him an extension of some kind, but it just depends, like, because if they can get a big-time edge rusher in here, that's probably going to require a massive contract. Like, if they can sign Daniil Hunter away from the Vikings, um, you know, I think they would probably rather spend the money there than spend it on two corners. But if they can't get this impact pass rusher in free agency, which I think there's a pretty good chance they're not going to be able to get one of these guys because they're probably all going to get tagged or they're going to re-sign with their original team before they hit the market, that sort of thing. We've already seen this happen Really, we're just like Brian Burns and, and Daniil Hunter, and you know we'll see what happens with Chase Young. Montez Sweat already signed. Rashawn Gary already signed. I mean, there's just not a lot of guys that are looking like they're going to hit the market. So if they strike out in free agency on a pass rusher, maybe the best use of that money is just bringing their own guys back. Um, so I, I wouldn't be opposed, certainly. But yeah, with, with Akuda, it's just you know the injury history. How, are you willing to give him a long-term deal? Do you tag him? Do you try to work out you know, some sort of shorter term deal with him. Um, because at this point you're, you're probably not getting any comp picks. Well, you know, we'll see what happens, but like, this is not an advantageous time to let somebody walk for a comp pick because you're probably still going to be signing a lot of players. So, um, ideally you would keep both, but again, yeah, I'm not sure, you know, how you prioritize each one. I think Terrell has the better track record, but Akuda has arguably played better overall this year. Um, but again, you know, 
he's typically not getting the number ones like like Terrell is. So there's there's a little bit of you know that to it as well. But Adnan, I'm curious what you think. Do you think they'll try to keep both guys, or do you have a preference for which one? I think they definitely want to keep both. Like I think Ter- I think Okuda has been one of the best cornerback twos uh, in the NFL this season. That's that's pretty valuable. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially given the fact that yeah, this team does not have that big time edge rusher. This team isn't is not completing sacks, so you know you sort of need to make up for that on the back end, quite literally. In, in this case, the back end being the secondary, and yeah, like I think they're they're gonna have they're gonna have a lot of money this off season, um, and I, I think one. I think the favorite outcome right now, the the outcome I would sort of bet on would be that the team re-signs both. Um, if it does come down to it, I would prefer to keep AJ Terrell. I think Terrell is, you know, I think Terrell's a better corner. I think Terrell has had, you know, like you said, a better track record. I am a little bit weary uh, given the fact that, yeah, Okuda, you know, has had uh, that big uh, Achilles injury, but I'm always a little bit weary about a player having a really good contract year after not really doing much, you know, before that. We saw a case in point with Caleb McGarry last season. Uh, I mean, the Falcons have, have noticed it with, um, you know, with a, a, a few of their players. Uh, Dante throughout Fowler. Their, uh, <laughs> I mean, Dante Fowler before he signed here, Sam Baker uh, pre-2013, pre pre that big contract. Um but, you know, I don't think that that's reason enough, that theory that uh, Okuda is just going to fall off because it's not a contract year. I don't think that's reason enough to just let him walk. And I do not think that they're really going to get anything comp pick related because they will be signing so many free agents. I mean, this is a team that a couple of years ago sacrificed a fourth round comp pick because they signed Marcus Mariota. Uh, this is a team that sacrificed a third round comp pick for Austin Hooper because they signed Dante Fowler a few years ago. Like clearly they, the Falcons haven't really valued those comp picks very much, you know, not since I can remember. So I I don't think that that's going to change. And I, I think given the fact that they want to go on another spending spree, like you're not going to come away with any comp picks really. Um, So I would, I would assume they signed both. If you held my, you know, if you twisted my arm, and you made me choose one. Uh, my choice would be AJ Terrell, although I am very weary about giving AJ Terrell the kind of the high end elite cornerback money that he's probably going to be asking for. Yeah, yeah, and it's like you don't necessarily have to, but the price is only going to go up if he balls out. So you know we'll see what happens. But yeah, Dave, curious too what your thoughts are on that cornerback situation. The Falcons having maybe having to choose between one of those guys, or may, maybe finding a way to keep both. Yeah, I think they'd like to keep both. I think the wild card here is um, what do they think of Clark Phillips? Because mm-hmm. um, you also have D. Alford, you know, who's been such a good nickel corner. I think he's a guy that I want to prioritize keeping around too. And I think there was a thought outside of Flowery Branch, and I have to think inside Flowery Branch that Clark Phillips could be a starter. And I think even just the glimpse of him we saw against the Cardinals, he had that one really bad blown coverage where we were lucky that Hollywood Brown didn't catch it. But otherwise, I thought he looked really good. So, you know, to me, that does kind of beg the question, like, are you going to give out two big money deals to Terrell and Akuda, knowing that you might have to pay up for Alford too, and just keep Phillips as a high-end reserve because that is valuable? Or do you really think he can be a high-end starter so you don't resign one of those guys? And I, I don't know the answer to that question. And Ed, I don't know if they're going to see enough of Phillips to answer that question between now and the end of the season. But I do think that's a factor that, um, you know, has to come come up at some point um, yeah. for the Falcons. But I, I do have to think, you know, Terrell has a track record. And if Ryan Nielsen is still here next year, I think – he likes Akuda, obviously, and Akuda has played so well. He, stylistically, he's a good fit for the defense. So, I think ideally they would definitely bring both of them back. But I think you're you're looking at a very expensive secondary potentially with all these guys you got to resign, and then Richie Grant. Um, yeah. So and I don't I don't know what the hell they're going to do with him. But it, it's you know you you could have you know one of the highest paid safeties in football, one of the highest paid corners, another highly paid corner, one of the higher paid 
nickel corners if Alford continues to do really well, because I think, again, you're going to have to pay him at some point. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't think he's flying under the radar anymore. So no, uh, no. yeah. The good news yeah. on Alford is that he's under contract at his extremely cheap price through 2024. And then in 2025, he's an RFA. So they could do a tender at that point. Um, I thought so, it was an RFA next year. So, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that, so they got, they got a couple more well. years with Alford, but yeah. yeah, the big question is like, do you go ahead and give the big money deal to Terrell and see if you can keep Akuda on like a, one year, like like a one year, ten million dollar deal for Akuda to see, you know, if he could prove it, or do you try to give him like a three year, eight million per type of thing and see if he'll take it? You know, I don't know what Akuda wants. If you know, maybe he'll feel like, oh, they gave me a chance when the Lions clearly didn't want me, so I'm going to stick around. You know, who knows? Like, there's a lot that goes into this stuff, but um, tough to swallow two corners making like huge money. So I just kind of don't think they're going to pay both these guys a huge contract, but. We'll see. Um, but given that Terrell's probably asking for like 20 million plus, you almost wonder if like, they're like, well, we've got two good corners. Which one's cheaper? Akuda. Okay. Let's go with that. Uh, but you definitely don't want Terrell walking in a situation where you're not getting a comp pick. So, um, in, you know, I think, in, yeah. In that situation, um, I don't even think the comp pick would be enough. Like if you are playing, and I mean, they would probably know right now if they would be comfortable giving Terrell that money or not. If you're not, I would look to trade him this offseason. Yeah, either that or let him play out the fifth-year option and then make a trade at that point. But you're going to get better value if you trade him now, obviously, but we'll we'll see. So that that could be an option, certainly, like trading one of these guys. But yeah, Akuda is the one that they have to decide on, I think, pretty quick because I don't think they picked up the option there. So, um, you know, they will... We'll have to see how that shakes out. That is one of the more interesting situations, though, um, to, to monitor going forward. Just like, oh, where, where where do they go with these two cornerbacks? And how, how do they handle this stuff? Um, so definitely one of the more interesting position groups to watch this offseason. But let me get <laughs> one more comment from George Costanza. Thank you, George, for your you don't have to you don't have to donate on these shows, George. We do appreciate it, but you don't you don't have to. It's five dollars from George. Thank you, George. Uh, he says, 80% of Arthur Smith's playbook is jet sweeps to Jonu Smith and Algier runs up the middle. So I'm done with that. Carolina is in the middle of a very slow rebuild. Tampa Bay looks like their ship is sinking, pun intended. And the Aints paid big money to Derek Carr for 10 touchdowns. I think we could be 8-2 and two with a real coach. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find too many people disagreeing with you on that one, George. I think we're, we're all pretty uh, underwhelmed with the Arthur Smith experience. And, and with the division the way it is, you know, I think there's definitely going to be a belief that like, okay, if we do this, if we get this right, we can own this division for the next two or three years. And, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. So we'll see, but yeah, I mean, I know, you know, Adnan, you mentioned it, like Algiers, not a bad player. I think he's a perfectly capable NFL running back. That is probably an RB two quality player that can obviously carry the load of an, of a rushing attack if he needs to. The only the issue with Algier and the reason I the reason I thought we drafted Bijan is because Algier just doesn't offer explosive plays like at all. That's just that's his one negative. He's very consistent. He hits the hole hard. He generally makes the correct read. He's got sure hands. He's a good pass blocker. All these things. And then you, he just doesn't have the dynamic playmaking. Like he doesn't create explosive plays, and that that limits your rushing attack in a big way when you can't threaten those explosive plays. So I thought that was why we drafted Bijan Robinson was because he does all those things that Algier does. Maybe not quite as physical as a runner, right? He's he's not, but he offers the dynamic playmaking and and the ability to take any carry for like 30, 40 yards if he breaks free that Algier does not. So that's the reason that you give the carries to Bijan is because. Not because they both can grind it out on short yards, it's because Bijan, every time he touches the ball, it could be a 40-yard gain, whereas the upside to an Algier carry is probably like a 20-yard gain. And like to Algier's credit, like he does bounce off of tackles, he breaks tackles, he keeps those feet churning, he he can get 10, 15-yard runs, but he's never going to run away from a defense. It's just not his thing. Um, whereas Bijan has the opportunity to do that, and that's why he's a top running back prospect, because he has the whole package plus that dynamic playmaking. So I, it's nothing against Algier. Like I really do like Algier. I think he's a perfect running back for this system. It's just like 
why are we dra- why do we even get Bijan if we just want to make this a timeshare and, and give Algier all these carries? Like I just and it, it's one thing if like you're winning, you're winning comfortably, the defense is playing great, and like you don't want to put the wear and tear on Bijan. Sure, fine. But you're not winning. Like your offense is scoring less than twenty points a game. You're struggling week after week to do anything. So it, to me, it's like, okay, we should be pulling out all the stops, figuring out how to score more points here, including using our top picks that we're just not using, mostly Kyle Pitts. Um, but, you know, this is this is why we're having the conversations about Arthur Smith that we're having, right? Uh, that <laughs> these are the questions we're asking. There really aren't any good answers for them. So Arthur Smith is going to have to find an answer or start using them, or it's probably over. Uh, here in T minus, you know, seven, eight games or eight, eight weeks at this point. So we'll see how this shakes out. But uh, I really appreciate everyone for hanging out with us. Obviously, thanks to all of our patrons for your support. Really appreciate you guys. Um, thanks, of course, to my guests, first of all. Oh, no, you get your ad say which way. Uh, Don, thank you for coming on. Anything you're working on you'd like to plug before we sign off tonight? Uh, yeah, well, I had a really, I had a really nice bye week. I wish we could have one of those again pretty soon but you know unfortunately we only get one of those a year you know the this was maybe the happiest sunday that i've had since <laughs> september uh at the very least the happiest i've had since that bucks uh victory a few weeks ago and even then that was just unnecessarily stressful but you know now that now that we're back uh onto the grind of uh of the season you know we're, we're pressing play uh, on the season after that brief pause. We, uh, I have my couple articles. What if we win or lose? And uh, series history, which you know, I'm I, we're facing the Saints this week, and I'm having a really hard time packaging and repackaging that series history article over and over again because there's only so many ways I can talk about the series history up to this point. I think this is like the seventh series history article I've written uh, specifically about Falcon saints. Cause they play twice a year. Um, so, you know, check that out and see how I did it this time. Yeah, definitely check that out. Guys, give that, give that one a, a good read there. Uh, very interesting series history, obviously coming up this week. And of course we have with us, the boss man, editor in chief, Dave Chode. He's at the Falcoholic Dave, anything you'd like to plug before we sign off tonight? Uh, yeah, just the obviously the work you guys are doing um, always. So I like to plug that first and foremost because you guys are great, and I'm just a ball guy. Um, but you know, impeccable yeah, hat I choice, mean, though. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, this is my favorite hat at the moment. So, um, but the the big thing that I'm working on in the next couple of days is just the the what to know about the matchup that I do every week, and I'm going to try to dive in pretty heavily into what is wrong with the Saints. Um, because even though they're five and five and they've had a couple of 30 point games, like there's, there's a lot going on there and I really don't like their long-term future and any chance I get to point out what's wrong with the saints, I'm going to do it. So I hope you'll read that. Yes, definitely enjoy that. Look, if we can't, if we can't enjoy the Falcons, we can at least enjoy the saints suffering. That is one of the only things we have. So, uh, you know, the Saints season is going almost exactly as I predicted. So, you know, I, I definitely have enjoyed uh, their downfall and everything that they claimed was not going to happen. Like, oh, we're not losing good players. We didn't need those guys. You know, we didn't we didn't need Trey Hendrickson. We didn't need, you know, David Onyemata. He was washed, you know, like, and then, you know, now you're starting Kalen Saunders. So, hey, it's, it's a wonder it's not going so well for you. But, um, yeah. They'll keep telling themselves that year after year as they continue losing more players. The one piece they'll keep is uh, Derek Carr. So <laughs> they'll keep God him for a while. Yeah, because <laughs> they can't get rid of him for at least two years. Uh, 20, 2025, I believe, is the earliest. So, yeah, guys, thank you for tuning in. Appreciate you. Uh, like I said, check out everything tonight's show is, of course, brought to you by Bet Bet.Online. Uh, we appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight. Appreciate all the patron support. Appreciate all of our new channel members. Uh, you know, when those guys eventually show up i'm sure they, they will show up at some point i mean i literally just launched it today so there's i'm not really talking to anybody right now this is more if you happen to like listen to this show like later after you've joined then you can appreciate it i guess but uh thanks guys for making this happen we appreciate all of our patrons for the questions for the support we will see you guys of course on wednesday as we get geared up for another week of falcons football i wish it was more fun to to say that so hopefully this win this big win over the saints that's forthcoming will, will help to, to put some pep in our step 
over the rest of the season. Uh, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you next time on the Falcoholic Live and Dirty Birds and Brews. Have a great night, folks. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.